Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I am one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I am Corbin Heller. And I just remember something major that happened that neither one of us thought of before we started recording. And now that I'm talking, we're going to have to talk about it because it was actually kind of... literally stopped talking 15 seconds ago, Josh. How do you do this to me? I I know. You'd think that with all of the time we spent doing this, um, we'd be better at it. And let me tell you, no. No, we're not. Not even a little. It's embarrassingly uh, yeah. poignant how how accurate that is. So uh, the thing that I just remembered that uh, happened like this week in, and it's rather major is that New York uh, is allowing gambling. Finally. Wow. Actually, uh, I missed that. Yeah, it was it's kind of it was kind of under the radar because it's not fully settled on what it's going to look like. Um, They awarded a contract to a consortium of gambling entities, which I'm going to try to find the list so I can give the the full the full uh, details on who it all is. Here's the order um, of my list that it's in. It goes Reggie, Jay-Z, Tupac, and Biggie, Andre from Outcast, Jada, Corrupt, Nas, and then me. Sure. List, yeah. Eminem, baby. Can't grow up without him. He's certainly a guy. Uh, oh, fuck you, New York Times. Let me read stuff for free. I don't like you. God damn it, New York Times. Who needs you? The woke mob is finally really coming don't. for the right people. Um... <laughs> Uh, all right, I got it. So the consortium, which uh, is actually weirdly a common word if you deal with RFPs or RFQs a lot. It's kind of odd um, how I've never heard that word used in context as much as reading contract bids. But anyway, um, the consortium consists of DraftKings, MGM Resorts International, um, Bally, and FanDuel. Um, it appears as those, oh, there's another group which includes Caesars, Wynn Resorts, Points Bet, Rush Street, and Resorts World, which I thought I had read already, but I guess I didn't. Um, and yeah, so that'll be mobile betting, which so far up to this point has been illegal in New York, but legal in Jersey. And very, very recently, I think just a few weeks ago, became legal in Connecticut as well. And that's kind of a big deal. Um, And it's proven so with its legality in New Jersey, since New Jersey has logged more money being placed on sports gambling in the past year than Las Vegas. It has become huge which is a shock to nobody um and it's because jersey borders new york and borders new york city you get i'm sure some quantity of people who hop on over the border place their bets for the day and hop back if you feel like it you can take the path it's cheap you hop on you get off in like fucking montclair you hop back on, you can, or just fucking Newark. You don't got to ride to Montclair. I just like the Montclair. Um, I mean, like literally the path train costs or like the light rail. I mean, you can hop on the light rail for like what? $2. Like it's nothing. Um, 
place, you know, $70,000 in bets, which uh, negates that $2 pretty fucking quick. Uh, and then just leave. And and then if you win, you collect your earnings. And if you lose, go fuck yourself. Uh, the difference being that you can't do any live betting at that point because you have to stay in Jersey to do that. And I would assume most people would rather watch sports from the comfort of their home than anywhere else. Um, and so now, New York, you're going to be allowed to do that, which how do you feel? It's one of those things where it's like, uh, one, I don't live in New York, so it really doesn't do much for me as far as changing my day to day life. Um, oh, hold on. I just saw gambling. a number that's going to blow your mind. You ready? I, I hate to cut you off, but I was I was I was reading down this article. I have to you know how much how much money was placed on sports gambling in New Jersey in just the month of September? No. One billion dollars. Fuck. That is just the month of September, and that is just the state of New Jersey. One billion dollars on sports betting. I don't don't love that. Anyway, sorry. That's ridiculous. Um, what was I saying? Oh, uh, I'm not something against, not someone who is against. Um, gambling being legal sports gambling being legal it's really just one of those things where i just i don't like how much they're investing as the proprietors of the sport that's being bet on i don't love it um it's just i'm sick of it like i'm sick of it being what we saw this week in the NFL with um, uh, the Bears defensive end, um, I forget his name, but regardless, the referees called in completely subjective foul on a play that they personally interfered with and changed the course of the game because of it. And when you have the ability to change the rules that are being bet on and control what rules are enforced for the game being bet on, and then now are directly investing in the game or in the betting on said games, that's a major conflict of interest for me. And I don't like it. It's, it's a weird part of society. So like I voted recently in the New Jersey elections, you know, they happen every year. New Jersey had a gubernatorial race, a lot of turnout. And one of the two of the questions on the ballot were about sports bet, uh, adding an amendment to the Jersey Constitution about being able to gamble on college sports, which was wild because, again, I always ask my friends if anybody sees these questions ahead of time because they always feel like a shock to me. I, I like to think I'm relatively on top of things in my life and in my state, and I, I never know what the fuck these additional questions are going to be. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know. And it's a weird thing to have to think about. And I'm not going to reveal my votes because well, this is, that shit fucking matter and y'all can pound sand up your ass. Uh, but it's weird to have to think about how additional money in fluxed into a, a sector, whatever sector it is, can affect how we view it, how we consume it, and how the people producing it or taking part in it are affected. 
at the same time, I think we as a greater American society like to view money as an extension of free speech. And so there can be a lot of those two sides of things kind of colliding. I would think that if you're particular to the college sports one, the fact that college kids can now get money based on using their likeness, maybe, you know, eases some of that discomfort if, if you were to vote yes on that a little bit or whatever. Um, but it's still icky, I think, at its core. And I, I think that sports gambling in general, especially with how readily society will make changes to accommodate gambling that it won't make to accommodate anything that actually matters. Someone having to deal with the strife of hopping over the Verrazano bridge on my Sunday morning um, to place my bets in Perth Amboy instead of Staten Island is not equivalent to people who don't like the Atlanta baseball team's name because they think it's racist. And yet, which one's going to change quicker? Uh, And with less vitriol, it'll, it'll be sports gambling added into the fact that it can also be an addiction and Absolutely. That's really tough. So if we, as a society, uh, feel as though sports gambling will not destroy our society, which I guess it's currently not to a major extent. I mean, Jersey has it and it's not bedlam in the streets. I, it, it's tough to get a long-term perspective on it since it is still very new here. Um, but it's not a, 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 you know, Mad Max style chaos land. Um, which but, it should be. Which as we all should be. I would love to wear some more skulls. Love a good skull on my skull. Um, double stacking them skulls. But it's, Although it's I'm not weird. a big fan of desert dry air, so might not be the best no it's like choosing to live in arizona why would you do that to yourself golf year round Uh, i mean technically yes but it's also 110 degrees and life is pain also true yeah just live in georgia does it get cold in georgia uh the devil goes there so i doubt it yeah but he seems like a pretty chill guy who knows got me there um so some some additional facts on this from what we've got so far, the proprietors of the sports game, the mobile sports gambling will be required to pay a 51 percent tax on profits made from gambling, which um, I'm seeing it laid out a couple of different ways. And obviously more details will come out. I seeing that as being an over 10 years number or I'm not sure if that's annual. Um, so. I guess we'll see if it's spread over 10 years. That's, I mean, that's really, I guess, not a huge deal. Um, If it's annual, maybe it's a little bit of a bigger deal. I don't really know how it shakes out. And honestly, taxes are very dodgy in the first place. Who the fuck knows how that works? If you think it's high, I think go fuck yourself. No one has to gamble. (laughs) No one does. I, I mean, options trading should also be taxed to like, 75 percent it's not creating anything um it's like suck my balls <laughs> it, it, like it, it who cares if you want to do it 
uh, that's great. If you want to be a proprietor of it, that's great. You're not actually creating anything. So once again, lick my balls. <laughs> like, and clearly They're nine companies decided they were more money. It just makes everyone more money when they do it, Josh. It's a just... self-sustaining economy. <laughs> I don't know how the U.S. economy works. How does three grown men in their mid-30s not have $800 between them? Well, the economy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's um uh, I it, it's tough to know how much it's going to it's going to matter. I I would also be willing to bet, which is a you know, fun turn of phrase to use now, um, that most people doing this are people who saw a Fangraphs ad that had a guy they liked in it and are downloading it f- not knowing what they're doing and placing like 5 to $10 bets here and there. Chances are if you already had a problem, you were doing some sketchy shit. You had a bookie. You were 1930s-ing it up and had a bookie who was a guy with a name like Lefty that you met at some weird fucking bar downtown and did business in Cashola. Like, strong chance that you had some weird hookup that was already going down or you were one of those dudes who, like, flew out to Vegas or went onto a reservation. Um Obviously, when you introduce more opportunities for addictive activities to come into play, there's a high propensity that more people find them and then do those things. But again, it's tough to get a feel for how much we want to regulate that as a society. Like drinking, we wouldn't prohibit it. I don't know. It'll be weird to see. We did try. And then we had another amendment. We were like, "Mm, no. No, we should not do that. This is getting outrageous. Um, Doesn't affect you and me. Our states already have. No. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things where it's kind of like this is going to be a very widely accepted law change over the next handful of years. New York changing it is probably, you know, the last major state to allow it. Um, Unless California doesn't have it, that would be huge. But, like, outside of those two, you know, Nevada has it, New Jersey has it, a lot of big-name states with a lot of gambling have it. Yeah, Illinois. Um, So I don't think it's a, a major discussion point just because it was inevitable. But you know, it'd also be interesting, as you mentioned with the Bears game, how our view of uh, league ownership over refereeing and umpiring changes as there is more outside mm-hmm. money involved. Because, I mean, if it comes down to, um, I don't know, a, a controversial play but like between the, the Bears and the Steelers, um, as of... Right now, in a world where there's no sports gambling, so you know, going back to like the 70s where you actually had to like go to Vegas or mm-hmm. know a guy, um, the most of the money involved is probably the owner of the Steelers and the owner of the Bears money. And you know, let's be real, chances are those people don't give a fuck. They're swimming in cash, they probably don't give a shit. 
they might care that their team didn't win that game, but in terms of the specifics of it, they probably don't care that much because they're not mm-hmm. going to win or lose $10,000 based on the outcome. Uh, but if there is a whole fucking cell of people who are highly, highly scrutinizing the game, some of whom might end up having a lot of money. Cause you know, if you're living out in the Hamptons, you're not crossing over to Jersey, go do this shit. Um, that is no, a you're very, flying very back f- to Jersey to do it on the private helicopter. <laughs> I'm walking into the Tedaboro airport. Um, yeah. <laughs> Which you no joke. One... I've seen it. It's just how they roll out there. It's I know. And I hate it. I hate it so much. Um, but anyway, if you were thinking of, you know, if you're a millionaire, billionaire the hamptons um and you wanted to casually do it at your home at your home on your phone you know casually drop like 5k here and there for the lulls your friends are doing it why not um enough people like that do it maybe the nfl mlb nba nhl maybe they start to care about how refereeing goes depending who knows but like you said it'll be that'll part will be interesting to see how it shakes out as well man i am just so excited for the cba negotiations Mm. It's going to be a blast. Yeah, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see how all that extra money, <laughs> um, how how the players view their worth, because now they're not just generating dollars uh, for teams and their 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 TV deals and whatnot. They're also generating a, a whole extra business, a whole extra business worth worth of uh, lots of money. There's the appropriate quantity. It's lots of money. Oh boy, it'll be fun. That'll be fifteen topic or fifteen podcasts worth of discussion. I mean, if, it's going to be research papers worth of discussion. Yeah, not written by us. No, <laughs> don't, don't even don't uh, get it, don't, don't get it twisted. But, but I think no one listening to this would ever even expect that. Nor should they. No. So shall we? Uh, shall we open with some football talk? Sure. Uh, we didn't have it written down. Did you, did you have anything you want to say about that Steelers play? Um, Bears play, I should say. There were so many ridiculous calls throughout the game that I don't think it really mattered too much. Um, it really just comes down to I am upset that we won the game the way we did. Kind of upset we won the game um, to begin with, but... Um, I don't think it changes either of these teams' season. Oh well, probably not. I think um, I think with the stuff like missed calls and general bad refereeing, people bitching and moaning doesn't really. It, it's taken as frustration less so mm-hmm. than the need of a change per se. Uh, this one definitely feels a little bit more egregious because of the way the ref acted. But when you come, like, like you said, when it comes down to all the other bullshit plays that happen in a game, it's how much it affects the outcome is, is, is difficult. And without an actual real ability to affect change from the NFL standpoint due to the way refs are handled via the union um i mean what the fuck do you want them to do about it so uh you know change how the rules are written or just tell the refs to call it a certain way like they do with a bunch of other things 
Oh, yeah. And I, I, I think it's more so like this guy, this guy was wrong. And that's why I'm, I'm not trying to like say the NFL is, you know, pristine and, and it's the, uh, the unions who are who are wrong it's that this guy was a dick and i don't think that the nfl can find a can they find a ref um maybe maybe it's just not um public information i don't know um i would love if they allowed you know penalty calls to be reviewed by new york it just makes so much sense to have it set up that way so that there can be some sort of accountability. Um, but yeah, and that's that's one of the annoying fucking things that I always hear from people is it's like, oh, you don't want them reviewing every play. The game would take nine hours. No, it wouldn't. No, it would not. You get like eight dudes. Fuck it. Get 11 guys, 11 guys. Everyone focuses on two players. You wouldn't even need that many fucking guys. Fuck it. 22 guys. Everyone focus on a, on a player. You know how little that would fucking cost you? 22 dudes. And in and, and the grand scheme of how much the goddamn NFL makes. And again, it would not have to be that many dudes. Just watching the game, making sure it's it's right. A call down takes no time at all. It takes no time. There's, at all. there's plenty of commercial breaks where you can say, hey, we're going to move this one up a little bit. Here's a commercial break. We'll play through the punt on the next, you know, change of possession. Move it up. Give them, you know, three, four minutes to actually review it, look it over, and and make that decision. It doesn't have to be by the time it takes the ref to place the ball and and move on. Like there's, yeah, I don't even just think so it would much take, time to fit these in. I don't think it'd even take that much time because in theory, all you'd have to do is have however many booth refs you think you need, and then an mm-hmm. on-field guy who is the straight communicator, a guy who's always got the headset on. In case there's something that happens, who then goes up to, you know, reports up to the head ref and just lets them know. I mean, really, like if we're talking modern day communication, I, I, like it would not be a huge stretch to try to work the logistics of this shit out at all. It's really like, hey, do they want to fix this? Right. And that's where because I don't think the NFL wants to be constantly showing up. It's, uh, it's refs. I don't think the refs want to be constantly showing up. It. It's the politics of it, I, I would think. And the, Plus, the conspiracy the theorist in me is absolutely like, eh, maybe there is some aspect of them that wants to control the outcomes of these games, potentially. Who knows? Would I doubt it if that is something that came out in 10 years? No, not really. Nope. Who, who would give that order? Who, who would Goodell. go to... Well, so, so well, what, would, what would Goodell's motivation be for making the Bears lose? Uh, betting, lobbying, money, catchphrases, hot, hot terms. Here's some buzzwords. Exactly. I mean, seriously, like if the woke mafia, serious gamblers. Yeah. Like it's, it's, I think it's harder to convince me that Goodell would be willing to put that much at risk rather than there is someone willing to offer him an insane amount of money to fix a game. Oh, shit. I just, uh, apparently, this is a total pivot because I was getting ready for our next topic. Uh, Matt Nagy is uh, from Jersey. <laughs> okay. Matt Nagy's from Denellen. Next stop, Denellen. All right. If you've ever rode PA or NJ Transit. 
That's right. PA Transit, take you right to New York Penn. Jesus. Damn, that's funny. Yeah, fuck the melon, bitch. <laughs> I actually have never, I've never been to the melon. <laughs> what the fuck is I've in the melon? Seen it through a train window, and boy, it just did not inspire too much hope. But now nah, you're you're between fucking Plainfield and Boundbrook. That is that is the desert. Get out of here. Fuck out of here, Danellan. You can't even beat Piscataway. Anyway, uh, so uh, Kyle Shanahan is uh, is is on the hot seat a little bit with his time in San Francisco, not inspiring great confidence. Uh, so far in his five seasons there, he has amassed a single winning season. Uh, his twenty, the team's twenty nineteen campaign, in which they went to the Super Bowl and. Lost to the Chiefs. They had a 13-3 and record that season. Every other season starting in 2017, his team went 6-10, and 4-12, and 13-3, and 6-10. And, and so far this season, they are at 3-5. and five. That gives him a total uh, win-loss record of 32-40. and 40. Um, And people have been compares- comparing his record to the record of Matt Nagy, who it seems is very much so also on the hot seat. And Matt Nagy's record in Chicago by season, starting in 2018, his four years there, uh, 12 and four, eight and eight, eight and eight, and three and six, which gives him a win loss record of 31 and 26. So only one fewer win in a full season shorter of a uh, of a uh, tenure, and 14 fewer losses, which with what I think we would all agree is a significantly worse team um, on paper. So Corbin, I remember how uh, happy you were that Kyle Shanahan got his head coaching job and how much hope you had in him at that time. And uh, before we started recording, you said that you refused to believe this and accept this. Um, How's this making you feel? I am holding my faith and Kyle Shanahan offensively. Uh, I think they are very much missing Robert Sala this year. I think they are. I mean, there's a lot of injuries every single season. We've seen that he's had good defenses in the past and shitty quarterback play. He's had good quarterback play and some defensive uh, collapses. I think because it seems to be a whole bunch of different things adding up to failures and not one singular gaping hole, like singular flaw that you could point to and say, wow, you know, Matt Nagy is fucking awful at calling offensive plays. Well, yes, he is. And that's not really something you can kind of just overcome with the system you have in place. It's just, Kyle Shanahan is very good at what he does, which is offensive scheming and offensive, you know, play calling. It's kind of other things that are falling apart around him, whether it be team health or just certain players not being able to perform certain, you know, bad contracts. And I know he has a tremendous amount of control with that front office. He's definitely at fault for some of that. I'm just saying those things I think are easier fixed than being, say, just a bad coach. Um, so I don't think it's 
crisis time yet but there's definitely room for improvement uh for reference the san francisco offensive ranks versus the league of course um since um kyle shanahan has taken the uh, the helm of head coach uh, I'll do yards and points. They were the 12th ranked offense for yards in 2017, 20th for points, 2018, 16th ranked for yards, 21st for points, 2019, fourth for yards, second for points, 2020, 15th for yards, 21st for points, and 2021, 13th in yards, 18th in points. So they've been in the top half of the league in point scoring a single time since Kyle Shanahan has been in San Francisco. All right, fuck off, dude. How about that? So lick my balls. Um, and the same time, the defensive ranks also uh, look like shit uh, in terms, again, of yards and points, 2017, 24th in yards, 25th in points, 2018, 13th in yards, 28th in points, uh, 2019, second in yards, 8th in points, 2020, 5th in yards, 17th in points, and 2021, eighth in yards and 25th in points. Um, so also, you know, not great, but neither side of the ball looks especially stellar outside of 2019. Yeah. Coming at and, me. Uh, hmm? No. Cause if you look at Matt Nagy, it's so much worse. Um, Matt Nagy, his time as a head coach in Chicago, 2020, 2018, uh, 21st in yards, ninth in points, top 10, Mr. Nagy. And then Boy, does it get painful. Uh, 2019, 29th in yards, 29th in points. 2020, 26th in yards, 22nd in points. And so far in 21, 31st in yards and 30th in points. Uh, The saving grace has been that defense, which was phenomenal for the first few years. Uh, In 2018, they were third in yards and first in points. 2019, eighth in yards, fourth in points. 2020, 11th in yards, 14th in points. And 2021, 13th in yards and 22nd in points. So this is the first time in his tenure that some phase of that defense has been below league average, um, which is just great. But yeah, that offense is, granted, it's a Mitch Trubisky offense for most of that, but boy, that is ugly. That's the Matt Nagy I know and love. Oh, man. I, I kind of want to look at Adam Gase's rankings now, but I also don't want to hurt myself. I think uh, I think you should. Let's see. Matt Nagy's team. No, Nagy, Adam Gase. Ah, yep. <laughs> oh, yep. God, how did he get the Jets job? Oh, man. Um. I could read a bunch of them because he's been, he was a head coach in Miami for three years. I'm just going to do the jets in 2019. The jets were 32nd in offensive yards, 31st in points. And then 2020, they were 32nd in yards and 32nd in points. Oh my God. It hurts. Life is pain. We should all die. Uh, defense 2019, seventh in yards, 16th in points. And then 2020, 24th in yards, 26th in points. Oh, my God. The Jets. God, we suck. We suck so hard. But anyway, we'll talk about the Jets sucking in a moment. Um, should 
San Francisco be in the hunt for a new head coach? Who are you going to get that's better? Uh, let's leave that part to the side for a moment, which I know is relatively unfair um, because no, you have to know a comp to truly be able to give an answer. But is Matt, I keep wanting to say Matt Nagy. I don't know. Matt Nagy is not a name that rolls off the tongue. And for some reason, it's just caught in my fucking craw. But um, like what what's leaving you with hope for your boy, Kyle Shanahan? The fact that I still believe in his offensive play calling and scheme. I think he's shown that he can still put out an incredible run game, even when it's Keith Mitchell at running back for the team. Um, I mean, he's got a rookie QB that it's going to be hard to fire Kyle Shanahan after he drafts Trey Lance without really giving him a chance to work with Trey Lance and that his previous quarterback has been, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo and Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard. And don't get me wrong. There's definite blame to be had for the fact that he wanted those quarterbacks. Uh, drafted two of them traded for Garoppolo. Um, it really is just, you know, you give him time to work with, you know, getting his system in place and getting his guys healthy to implement the system. And, I think you you can't have that conversation, like you said, you know, with the f- genuine fact that you can't ignore that, like, there's not a whole lot of exceptional candidates at head coach right now. Uh, it should also be noted that um, Kyle Shanahan's current contract runs him through 2025 that he just signed an extension on last season. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'd be tough to have to just eat that if you're a team, um, both in terms of dollars uh, as well as um, having to admit you're wrong. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, but. And it's it's one of those things, too, where he runs such a specific, you know, power run system that if you were to bring a different offensive coach in, or if you were to bring in, you know, a defensive minded coach with his own offensive coordinator, you would have to change out, you know, Trey Lance would not work as well in that system, most likely as it would in Kyle Shanahan's, you know, there's a bunch of players there that would not work as well. And you'd have to basically just tear the team down and start over when, yeah, you've had, you know, a lot of pretty good draft picks the last couple of years. You haven't been playing all that great, but, starting from scratch is still a you know major step back they were in the super bowl two years ago yeah yeah well i mean how much does that mean with how fast team rosters change at this point in time because i think the man still took you to a super bowl with jimmy garoppolo just saying yeah, and fucking what's-his-face in Jacksonville took that team to the AFC Championship game with Blake Bortles. His ass ain't there anymore. Whatever his fucking name was. Doug? Is it Doug? Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson. Gus Bradley, Doug Peterson, something around maybe. There was a bunch of coaches there around then that just were fucking awful. Was it Doug Marone? Could be. Let's fucking who cares? It's Jacksonville. Y'all don't matter. True. 
it'll mm-hmm. it'll be wild because you know uh yep. the injuries thing takes you a long way but even after uh, phases of injury plague seasons i think teams still look at opportunities to bring in someone who makes things work you you hear every now and then success stories coming out of injury plague seasons is uh coach manages to find something in these scrappy upstarts that wasn't there before and if, whether those mean anything or not is is, is tough um the nfl head coaching positions also often feel like they are prone to turnover for reasons that are within and without their control um is it Todd Bowles' fault that the Jets sucked his entire time there? Eh, not really. I mean, we all knew it was time to go because the, the Jets were making uh, organizational changes and there was an organizational reason for, for him to to go to you know, try to introduce a new system and try to find new players that fit that system. So it, there's always, I think, opportunity for... Um, Deserved or undeserved early termination. Uh, but you got to think that the Niners have probably more patience than your average sports media proclaimers and consumers have, um, because why wouldn't they? Right. Also, it's their money. Um, they're going to be a lot stingier with it than you and I would be if uh, if there were any quick tempered Niner fans listening to this. Uh, they don't care. They don't give a fuck. And if their players are going to be injured and their options are to either keep paying the one salary to, to coach an injured team or pay two salaries to coach an injured team, uh, they're going to just pay one and just hope things get better. So, yeah, consider that shit, too. But at least they didn't get Gruden. <laughs> at least they didn't get Gruden. And then Henry Ruggs and then Damon Armett. Arnett did. They're having a bad season. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the Jets then briefly as they made the mild news, a splash, uh, a, a drip for the Jets. It wasn't bad news. That's that's a, a positive, I suppose. And that is that they named Mike White as the starting quarterback for this upcoming game against the Bills at home on Sunday the 14th. Um, Zach Wilson, I believe is, um, I think potentially capable of starting at that point. It might, might, it might be a week earlier. So, so probably not a huge, huge bit of news, but it does lead you to wonder with how well he has been doing Mike white. Uh, what do you do? This is not going to be a winning season for the Jets. Uh, it, there's no chance they they're missing wide receivers. Their O-line is inconsistent. The defense is having problems. Marcus May is now out for the season too. Um, so in theory, this would be a plenty fine year to go ahead and let Zach Wilson just kind of figure it out. Uh, however, they have the opportunity to rest him a little bit more. Mike White might actually might might make relatively interesting trade bait if he manages to perform at a decent enough level for the course of the season for an offseason acquisition a, a move around in the draft or something like that um but do you think they treat him as a long-term solution i don't know how you can answer this question after one really good game one game um, two games it's been two games did he start he, i thought he left with an injury 
Oh yeah, technically he did. Yeah, I forgot about yeah. that. I think he only had like ten attempts, six completions, something like that. Like something Actually, like yeah, okay, but not. I'll get the exact numbers for you. Significant. Um, I don't know, man. I don't think you can just because you spent so much draft capital on Zach Wilson. Uh, Eleven attempts, seven completions, ninety-five yards, mm. and a touchdown. You know, I could easily see this being not easily. I could see this being like an RG three situation, almost identically. Didn't Wilson get drafted second overall, or was that third? Second. Second. So it very easily could be a you know similar Kirk Cousins situation where it's like, all right, this guy's really good. We should hold on to him. You know, give Zach Wilson every chance to prove himself. But if it doesn't work. Don't sign him past his rookie deal. Hold on to Mike White, you know, see what he can do for you. But I just don't see him getting the the full nod, you know, with Zach Wilson there. Maybe they drag out. Excuse me. Maybe they drag out Zach Wilson's injury in his time. You know, maybe they put him on injured reserve. You know, hey, we need to make sure you're extra healthy, you know, and actually give Mike White a chance and, and, get Zach Wilson ready before he comes back right away. And I don't know. I don't know if the Jets have already activated two players off the IR. I don't know. But um, at the same time, I just, you got to give the ball to Wilson and, and let him earn his chance to be the starter. Cause giving up on a, a second overall pick after a handful of games is a tough look, especially for the Jets. Right. And I, I would agree. I don't, I don't think they're going to, I, at some point when Zach Wilson's fully healthy and they have the ability to really not rush him back, I'm sure he's going to get his starts as usual, but man, is it wild looking at the difference in how they performed. And I understand like why he's being bolstered by a game that literally sent part of his uh, uniform to the hall of fame, but looking at the stats so far between the two of them. So Zach Wilson, six games, Mike white, three games, two of which he was a starter for um, Zach Wilson has had 181 attempts and 104 completions. That's a completion percent of 57.5. Mike White, 88 attempts, 64 completions. That's a 72.7% completion percent. Zach Wilson has 1,168 yards on the season. Mike White has 702, only 400 fewer yards in 40 fewer completions, 100 fewer attempts, and half the games. Oh, boy. Mike White also already has more passing touchdowns than Zach Wilson. He has five to Wilson's four, uh, half the interceptions, but you can chalk that up to uh, uh, how many attempts he's made. Uh, and Wilson has nine so far. White has four. Um, and the rate stats look uh, pretty fucking bad, pretty fucking ugly. Um, Mike White yards per attempt, eight. Zach Wilson, six and a half. Uh, adjusted yards per attempt, Mike White, 7.1. Zach Wilson, 4.2. Uh, yards per completion is actually in favor of Wilson, as Mike White has 11. Wilson has 11.2. Yards per game, White, 234. Wilson, 197, 94.7. Quarterback rating, um, not for Mike White, 95.9. Zach Wilson, 63.5. QBR, White, 60.4. Zach Wilson, 28. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you, I mean, I, you can go to the, we can, I can look at the advanced stats now too, and it, it just, it gets 0% better. So, uh, again, you know, Mike White's had uh, getting bolstered by one ludicrous game and then 
a couple two other shorter strong outings and Zach Wilson is a rookie who is testing the waters testing his own physical capabilities and figuring out an NFL defense um but boy is it night and day small sample size for sure for sure but still yeah. i like my quick my quick takes my hot takes my hot cakes mhm 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 yeah it's just uh it's just ugly um you are, but what am I? Interestingly enough, the um, just poking through the advanced stats a little bit more, Zach Wilson is putting a lot more air under his ball. So he's definitely taking a lot, lot of risk. Uh, the completed air yards per completion. So we've talked about this on the show in the past. You know, if you throw the ball forward one yard and then your wide receiver or running back runs for 18 more yards after that, you get 19 passing yards. But like, did you pass for 19 yards or did the other guy make you look really good? Um, so air yards is literally just the yards that were accomplished in the air. Uh, Zach Wilson has 7.3 completed air yards per completion to Mike White's 4.3. Um, Zach Wilson obviously has more intended air yards, which is just a counting stat because he has a hundred more attempts. Um, so it's not really fair to, to judge based on that. Um, his completed air yards per pass attempt, 4.2 to Mike White's 3.2. So, uh, yeah, the yards after catch is what really shows. The yards after catch per completion, Zach Wilson, four, Mike White, 6.6, which almost makes you wonder if the way the offense is being run under under Mike White could be something that Zach Wilson could work with better. I'm not sure if they're doing something different to try to help Mike White out and it's just having fantastic success, or Zach Wilson has been... Uh, rebuffing those smaller passes in favor of finding out his own limitations, but it's interesting. Yeah, I just, um, yeah, I can't make, I, I like, I just can't I know. argue one way or the other after a game, a game and a half, essentially. I know. Uh, all right, so Odell Beckham Jr. Cleared waivers in a move that shocked both Corwin and I. Obviously, we mentioned there is money that is attached to his name that I guess teams don't want to pay, um, which fucking sure, man. That's how cheap we're going to be about it. Fucking sure. Um, but it still feels pretty surprising um, that he would end up clearing waivers and is now a free agent. You have any ideas on where he would sign? So every tweet I saw, which all used the phrase honing in, and it was weird that every tweet I saw used the phrase honing in. I am now going to start believing in a conspiracy theory around sports media, um, that it's all just one guy. It's all one dude. He writes every tweet. Um, <laughs> that's my new conspiracy theory. It's all your least favorite sports writer. He writes everybody's stuff. Um, but I saw that he was honing in on the Chiefs, the Packers, and some other team. I don't give a fuck. 
Now, apparently the, the Patriots are making a push for him. <sighs> Who cares? I, I got to say, um, not, not in a disrespectful way to OB, to OB, um, Odell Beckham Jr., um, OBJ. It's just, we talked about this in the last episode. His time in Cleveland sucked. And we it can suck for it could have sucked for any reason. Who really gives a shit at this point? Um, but he is he's gonna be he's gonna be kind of a flyer. And it's tough to look at that guy and say he is going to absolutely be the difference between the Patriots making the wild card or not. Um, or he is going to be the difference for the Chargers running away from the for the with the division or not. That's tough. Um, so where he goes. I don't know, and I don't care, but good for him. Trying that boat, just don't really care. No. No. Um, I think it would be funniest if he went to the Rams to really just complete their, their, their um, hey, at some point, one of these guys made an all-star game kind of roster. Or Pro Bowl, I should say. Like their their entire team is uh, expensive people who have all made Pro Bowls like somewhere, and we just got who we could. Their yeah. their team is those like memes that social media accounts post where it's like five dollar, four dollar, three dollar, two dollar, one dollar. Build your team, and it's all Pro Bowlers. And you go, well, I mean, any team with all these guys would be good. And then they just did that. So having OBJ there seems like it would also make sense. Because why not? Yeah, that's what I always did a kick out of those 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 like bracket things. Because it's always like the guys in the one dollar tier are always also really fucking good players. Mm-hmm. Like if you built a team of just the one dollar guys, your team would probably be pretty fun. Especially like like the MLB ones, like build a rotation, and the one dollar guys are all like a bunch Blake of like Crusoe. second starters. Or, yeah, or like yeah, old like like aces, and it's like. Yeah, but guess what? If you put all five of these guys on the same team, they'd be a fucking great team. Mm-hmm. So that seems like it was the Ram strategy. But uh, I don't, I don't care where he goes. It'll, I, I will care once he's there to see how he does. But I do not care where he goes. Yeah, it's one of those things where if he ends up someplace really cool, okay, that would be really cool to see. It could be really fun to talk about if he ends up somewhere just meaningless. Okay. Sure. It really doesn't change me watching football this season in really any way. No. Um, it'll also be interesting just to see, cause like, yeah, I was doing some thinking about it this past week. And the more I think about OBJ wanting out of Cleveland, the more I just continue to not blame him. Because you got to think whether he sucked and sucked is, is, you know, being harsh, but fuck, who cares? I, it's easier to go with that. Uh, whether he sucked in Cleveland because he just didn't have it uh, or whether he sucked because of the play calling, chances are if you weren't being successful in your job and you used to be really good at your job when you were somewhere else and you wanted to be better at your job, you might also go find a different place to do your job. Um so uh, the, the more I, I really don't fault him for being like, uh, look, it, clearly you're not going to get out of this what you want. I'm not getting out of this what I want. Let, 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 let's uh, let's part ways here. I think I get it. So but it'll be interesting to see if he goes somewhere else. 
can he perform even a modicum better than he did in Cleveland to show that like, hey, maybe that was the reason or is he just for whatever bizarre reason totally shot as a player? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Andrew Heaney signed a contract with uh, the Dodgers. Do you care? Not really. It, it's not like he'll be healthy anyway. I don't give a fuck about Andrew Heaney. Uh, eight and a half million dollars. You take a chance on that guy. Yeah, exactly. Like they're injured so much anyway. If he lives on your IR, okay, you're the Dodgers. You have eight and a half million dollars to spend on a guy like that. Plus those healthy, contracts are insured. Right. And if he's healthy, okay, you have Andrew Heaney and he'll he'll fill in as a middle of the rotation guy when you have four injured guys on the IR. I got to say, though, if I was an Angels fan and he, like, killed it on the Dodgers and finished top 20 in Cy Young voting, I would be livid. I would be absolutely livid. It's just unreal. Like, I almost expect it because of how that thing would – how both the Dodgers and um, the Angels just work. Uh, No surprise whatsoever, and it would be heartbreaking. Especially because guys like, you know, you and me uh, say every year the uh, Angels should take chances on flyer pitchers because their pitching sucks. And uh, they could totally could have signed Andrew Heaney to eight and a half million dollars. And yeah, they could have. But the funny part would be that they've been giving Andrew Heaney a shot for like a fucking decade. <laughs> and it just never worked. And so you wouldn't you couldn't even blame them for not being the team to give him another shot because they have been giving this Jekyll and Hyde ass motherfucker shots for like whatever it's been five years or some shit. It should be it would just be so funny if he could turn it around somewhere else. But whatever. Um, There was actually one more football topic before we do the very, very brief thing we're going to be doing on baseball. Um, Sam Darnold sucks again. And. I say again because there was a point in the beginning of the season, the first uh, four games of the year, where he genuinely looked like Christian McCaffrey is the answer to my questions. Matt Rule is a god, and I am not as bad at football as you all thought I was. And I was sitting here. I remember like week one after they tore up the Jets. I was like, I'm happy for the dude. And then a couple weeks later, I was like, good for him. Uh, And I I still don't wish ill upon him, but I got to say it is a little bit cathartic to know that like, hey, maybe the Jets weren't the problem. Um, I'm going to share with you Sam Darnold's quarterback rating by game and just witness this demise. Uh, this is not cumulative. This is individual game week one against the jets 102. That's pretty fucking good. It's also the high watermark of the season. Uh, week two against new Orleans, 99.1. That's also very good. That's the second best it'll be all season. (laughs) You will notice a pattern quickly. Uh, Week three against Houston, 95.7. Week four against Dallas, 85.5. So far, even though it's trending down, that's a good season. That's a very nice season. But wait, it gets worse. Uh, Week five against Philadelphia, 44.3. He had one touchdown, three interceptions, three sacks, and had only 177 air yards. Just woof. Uh, Week six against Minnesota, 55.6. Nice little bounce back as he had only one interception that game. 
Week seven against the Giants, 57.4. We're improving. Week eight against Carolina, 69.6. We're getting there. Week nine against New England, 26.3. As he threw no touchdowns and three interceptions. And in his last, oh, geez, um, five games, he has more interceptions than touchdowns. He has not thrown a touchdown or gotten touchdown of any kind since he doesn't have any rushing touchdowns in this time frame either. He has not scored a touchdown of some kind since week six against Minnesota. It's just, uh, that's, that's the Sam Darnold we saw in New York. I just, again, we saw the small sample size. We were like, Oh God, Sam Darnold is fixed. Look at how great this move looks. Excellent job, you know, Carolina and boom, a little more time goes by and it's Sam Darnold of old. Yep, his uh, his completion percent is right in line with his career average, 59.5 on the season, 59.7 career average. His touchdowns, with, uh, sorry, his interceptions, which leads the NFL with 11, is uh, basically in line with what he's been doing, but that's only going to get worse. He's a real solid chance if he maintains his position as the starting quarterback of passing his career high, which was set in his rookie season with 15. Uh, touchdowns, he has seven. That's just awful that's just so awful and his uh, quarterback rating on the season so far is still not horrible at 71.3 but 71.3 is not good and it has been not a uh, gritty 71.3 it's been a very very horrible 71.3 and that is also the worst of his career so far Uh, second worst being last year on the 32nd ranked offensive unit jets so yuck just a lot of love yuck it. you just love to hear it um so this what do is they do going back to what the nfl was i don't actually i don't even know if we talked about it we may have uh the nfl expanding to 18 teams per conference oh for the postseason oh no, no 18 like, teams per conference oh no i didn't hear about this oh yeah uh they want to do that and I guess jumping right back to what I was saying is Are they gonna put how can teams? you do so when you have so few quarterbacks as is quarterbacking all of these teams? It's just, I don't get it. Yeah. The, the obvious answer to that is, well, defenses will be worse too. Um, but the problem is how I don't think the drop-off in defensive talent is going to be as steep as the drop-off in quarterback and offensive talent i mean making a a completed pass is is actually very difficult like in in general um and that's not to discredit the defense it's just that's a very hard job and even with the talent dilution it's not going to be uh, evenly distributed so yeah having four more teams god i did not know that um Mm -hmm. that's going to be difficult because you got to look at you know who are the backups that impress you right now are there mike white (laughs) touche hey maybe zach wilson could be the backup it's a head scratcher that is uh (laughs) <laughs> but so what do what what the fuck did the Panthers do? I if you have an opportunity in the draft or in free agency, you take it. I don't 
sell the farm to get one. Um, just buy some lottery tickets and not buy a major investment type of deal. As it stands right now, the Carolina Panthers at four and five would have the 13th pick in the NFL draft. That's really not great for a uh... QB needy teams ahead of them. Detroit would have the first overall pick. Houston would have the second one. Um, Philly has the third overall pick. I don't know if we classify them as quite QB needy yet. I'm not sure we're giving up on uh, what's his face that fast. Jalen Hurts. Um, Washington. The Giants. Oh, my God. The Giants right now would have back-to-pack picks, eight and nine. That's hilarious. Uh, and potentially Minnesota are all ahead of Carolina in the draft as of the standings today. And it's tough because um, I'm not sure Carolina's bad enough to lose forever, which shouldn't be described as a problem unless you're trying to get a quarterback in the NFL draft in a decent spot. But man, what the fuck else do these motherfuckers do? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. PJ Walker, maybe. There, yeah, there, there are other quarterbacks. Philip Walker, who's appeared in three games, none of which he's been the starter, and they've allowed him to attempt 15 passes. He's completed three of them. Um, yeah. Uh, so I guess they're sticking with Sam. I, mm-hmm. I fucking guess. But God. Don't, didn't leave yourself with a whole lot of options. No, I think uh, they didn't extend Darnold, though, did they? Uh, I believe I he's done know. after this season. I really don't know. I don't think so. I believe they only picked up his fifth-year option for his rookie contract. I want to double-check myself. I believe you, yeah. I want to double-check myself before I double-wreck myself. Um, no, he is under. Yeah, he. Okay, so 2021 was the fourth year of his of his uh, deal. 2022 was the fifth year. So they have him under contract for 2022 to the small sum of 19 million dollars. Nothing. It's nothing. Oh, man, that looks like a horrible choice at this point, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Ooh boy. Yeah. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Sucks to suck. Sorry, guys. The Jets did, did something good. right. <laughs> Even a blind. Hang the banner. Even uh, whatever. An okay trade that made two of them in the same offseason: Jamal Adams and Sam Darnold. That's our contender now. What can I say? The grass is always greener in the Meadowlands. Very true. Um, been there. I've seen it. Yeah, it's it's certainly lush out there on the good old NJ Turnpike. Exit sixteen and some letters or whatever it is. It's fucking sixteen E or W or fucking whatever. I go where the GPS tells me to go, folks. Um. Yeah, I don't really have anything creative to say about it. It's just wild to see that kind of drop off. Um, and really, you know, you you would think that there's some degree 
Because I think we all believe that a quarterback who had some level of success in college has the capability of doing it in the NFL. And their first team maybe just wasn't the right fit. The Jets are a disaster of an organization. Um, the play style that he's been asked to do might be a little bit different. Obviously, the change in quality of defense is colossal from college to the NFL because that's true of every sport going from college to uh, their pro league. But I think if this is a, any indication, the kid just doesn't have it. I mean, we're talking a totally different organization, different offense, different pieces, a way, way more complete offensive unit than what the Jets had. And he is worse or just as bad as he was in New York. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm pretty willing to call that one. You know, we talk about needing to give guys enough runway before you can give them that boom bust label before you can make that call and. You know, you need more than one game for Mike White, but four years, five years, is uh, that's tough. Honestly, if I'm the Panthers, and I've already accepted that fifth-year option, Darnold, you're lining up a fullback. <laughs> yeah, just completely destroy him. You're just a big, stocky, trunky California kid. Go out there and break some ankles, kiddo. They you're, need some excuse you're, you're for why they're not starting him. We just need to break him so bad that there's no way that we can start him. You're now the third string punter. Have fun with that. Yeah, fucking just your season's over at some point. Just let the guys try out some positions, you know? He's uh he'll he'll be in there so he'll be one of those guys who's in there only for QB sneaks and and uh and flea flickers. That's that's it. He's your wackadoo play guy. Favorite guy. Heart and soul of any team. Yeah. Or he'll, I, I think, and I, I almost genuinely mean this, almost, that if I was the Panthers, maybe it's time to experiment around with a Ben Zobrist style player. Make Sam Darnold do a little bit of everything. He's at wide receiver, tight end, running back, quarterback. Tim Tebow. No, Tim Tebow was bad. Oh, Sam Darnold's bad too. <laughs> mm, darn. Yeah, Tim Tebow was way more athletic. Darnold just looks like a guy. Yeah, I mean, we've talked plenty about Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow was freaky and weird and full of Jesus and other strange things, but uh, at least he had giant guns. Darnold just has flab, I think. Mono. <laughs> Oh, God. Both His Mark Sanchez and Sam Darnold had the absolute best games of their entire careers against Penn State in the Rose Bowl. It's fucking stupid. At least Sanchez went to two AFC championship games. Darnold never got out the basement. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, all right. We're going to do this super quick, uh, especially since some things have already been um rejected in terms of qualifying offers in the ML in MLB, but figured might as well, since we said we would do something super quick. So here's something super quick. Corwin accepts or rejects qualifying offers. Lightning round. You ready? I am. All right. Uh, Rossiel Iglesias, relief pitcher from the angels. 
How much? Oh, it's the qualifying offer. So I think it's uh eighteen point four million this season. Mm, nah. Nah, you're the Angels. You have nothing else. You have no other pitching. Yeah. I would actually also say yes because there's so many relief pitchers every season that don't have a job. I would probably wait till I got a long-term deal if I was Ray Ciel Iglesias. I don't know. That's a tough one to gauge, but I, w- I would take it if I was him. We'll find out. Uh, Carlos Correa, shortstop from the Astros. No. Uh, fucking no. <laughs> uh, Justin Verlander, starting pitcher from the Astros. No. This is also a big fat no. Um, oh, sorry. Real quick. Um, the Angels did extend a long-term deal to Rysiel Iglesias um, eight hours ago, a four-year, $60 million deal. There you go. So good for you, Rysiel Iglesias. I feel like I've pronounced your name five different times now, and I hope one of them was right. Uh, yeah, just I've chosen not to say anything. I know Joseph Verlander should not take the qualifying offer. I know he is old and he's coming off a of Tommy John surgery, but he is also a hall of fame pitcher and chances are could get more um, or at least Yankees. more years. And I'm sure at his age, his frail age, more years would mean something. Uh, all right. <laughs> keeping it pushing Freddie Freeman, first baseman from the Braves. No, no. Uh, Robbie Ray starting pitcher for the blue Jays. No. No, Marcus Semyon, second baseman for the Blue Jays. No. No, Corey Seager, shortstop for the Dodgers. No. No, Chris Taylor, uh, utility player for the Dodgers. Maybe. I would say no. Utility players have gotten so much more um, Mm. cash, I guess just cash recently. Mm -hmm. Um, Brandon Belt, first baseman for the Giants. No. Uh I I would I'll probably also say no. He's young. Like he's only 33, which also is young. like yeah, it's also young for uh not old I should say for first baseman. Like it's not a position that you have to age gracefully at, you know? Right. It's it's not like he's a 33-year-old shortstop. Um like if I, you you could probably get a better long-term deal. Um so whatever. Uh, Michael Conforto, outfielder for the Mets. This one's been contentious. No, no. So he is a Boris client. So he has already, I know for a fact, he's already denied it because if you listen to New York talk radio, I mean, you got to yell about something at two o'clock in the afternoon and your options are pretty limited. Um, so it's, it's an interesting question because Conforto wants a long-term deal where he gets paid $20 million a year. And is Michael Conforto worth a long-term deal where he gets paid twenty million dollars a year? Um, That's when he's question. healthy, sure. I just feel like he's never healthy. Yeah, I mean that's that's really the rub of it, you know. I mean, he was healthy last. Whoa, he's played in way more games in his career than I thought he did. How many? Like he hasn't uh, last this past season one hundred twenty-five. The year before, or uh, 2020, played in 54 games, which shortened season, so he only missed six games. Played in 151 in 2019, 153 in 2018, um, and 2016 and 2017 played in 109. 
he really hasn't yeah. missed all that much time. I thought he missed way more yeah. games in his career than that. Hmm. Uh, but in his time in the league, he has led uh, the National League in absolutely nothing. Um, nothing. Abs- absolutely nothing. Uh, his lifetime slash line is 255, 356, 484. That's an OPS of 824, an OPS plus of 124, which is quite good. Um, but you're a corner outfielder. And um, I'm not sure what that goes for in terms of 20 mil right now. And I don't know what the outfield market looks like. Also, I don't think his defense is good. I think he's bad at that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's one of those things where I could see a team giving him 19 at least. So say no. Why not? This one's a gamble. I guess we'll have to see. Noah Syndergaard, starting pitcher for the Mets. No. Oh, this one for me is an easy yes. He's been yeah. hurt all year. And like he teams are he just has so been injury for, concerned. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can't tell you the last time I saw him pitch, but I mean, he's healthy now or, or very close to that point. I could see a team looking at him and saying, all right, we'll give you a two years or something like that. But I guess the idea of coming back and proving yourself is worth a minuscule uh, lost in pay over like two, three years. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, because I, I think the problem do. was it'd have to be a prove-it deal kind of no matter what, and you're either mm-hmm. getting... I, I don't think he's beating an $18 million prove-it deal. You know? That's really what no, it comes down right to. There. Yeah. And he's not at the age of like a Verlander where maybe you'll just take a lower quantity of money in terms of average value to get a few more years because you just want to play like I want to play when I'm 43 so give me a, mm-hmm. a four year deal I don't think Verlander's getting that but um, yeah I, I think the smart money would be on taking this I'm, I'm not sure but I think he already has I'll just double check at some point uh, Eduardo Rodriguez starting pitcher for the Red Sox no yeah this one I think this is the argument that you made for uh, why Syndergaard may have taken it. I think I think Rodriguez shouldn't for uh, for that argument's sake. He has missed some time um, here and there, if not barely even honestly. And uh, starting pitching is always in demand. He can do more, and he is also only fucking twenty nine. Yeah, he can he can yeah. he can do better. Um, <laughs> Nick Castellanos, outfielder for the Reds. No. He literally just op- opted out of his fucking contract. There's no reason yeah. for him to take this. The Reds just want the compensation pick. And last one, Trevor Story, shortstop for the Rockies. Absolutely not. Yeah, fucking no. Um, the players have until November 17th to accept or decline, so all of these will be shaken out within the next week. Um, chances are most of these players say no. And honestly, it's usually in the team's best interest to give the qualifying offer to players who have a pretty high chance of saying no because if they mm-hmm. wanted a player they could just pay him and most of the time they do um but if they want compensation for a player leaving then they'll put hit the qualifying offer on players who have a very high chance of leaving and get a compensational draft pick right which is why it's... carlos correa is on this list it's not a sincere mm-hmm. attempt and really it should be prevented in some some way it's stupid what baseball rules are allowing wacky things? What? Yeah, it, it, we're going to we're going to uh, compensate you for 
giving a non-serious offer to your best players. We're going to compensate Genius. you for being non-competitive in the realm of free agency. Just Lots fucking of geniuses. Stupid. Really are. Sports are fun. Yeah, as always, MLB. Short on my balls. Uh, all right, Corbin, you got anything else before we wrap it up? I do not. All right. Well, if you want to follow the show, you can do so at Choosing Pod. We don't post from there very often. So if you'd like to follow Corbin, you can do so at Corbin Heller. If you'd like to follow myself, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. If you'd like to send emails to the show, you can do so at Juicing Pod. You know, Juicing the Numbers at gmail.com. Juicing the Numbers at gmail.com. And until Monday, y'all have a good one. Bye.